Right, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. We'll continue our study of, of the Gospel of Matthew. And I love, uh, this is the second Gospel we've covered here at the church, and, and I want to tell you why I love the Gospels. Uh, because they tell the unique story of the life of Jesus Christ. As you go through the Gospels, you're going to follow Jesus foot by foot, and walk every step that He takes, every word that He says, every sermon that He preaches, every work that He does. And there's no subject or no life that is greater for us to, to cover and, and to learn than the life of Jesus Christ. So that's why I want to do it. I just want our whole church, I want my life, I want my kids' life to be engulfed in the life of Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been looking at and studying. And we're in chapter 8 now. And I want to show you, not, not his life, but I want to show you one day in his life. Because as we go through these, these, uh, this study, we're going to see certain days and things that he does. And today, in these verses here, just four verses, you're going to see one day. One unforgettable day. And that's what I titled the sermon today. One, one day in the life of Jesus. So let's stand together and let's look at one day in the life of Jesus Christ. And this is a, again, it'll be an unforgettable day. Maybe not for you, but it was for the people that were with him here in this chapter, in these verses. So let's look at this, a day in the life of Jesus, starting in verse 14. And again, this event happens in one day, and it's a Sabbath day. Uh, so there's a lot of events that he's going to go through his day, and he's going to do a lot. Uh, several things that are a lot like our days, but there's going to be some, uh, some things here that are so different than things that we'd ever see. So look, look with me in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 8. It says, And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. And when the evening was come, you see that? We went from the afternoon now to the evening. It's a day. So when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities, and he bare our sicknesses. So this is a day in the life of Jesus. Let's pray together, and we'll study this unforgettable day. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and for the truth of it, that we can open it up, we can understand it, we can read it, we can study it, we can apply it. God, this is, this is great that we can do this today. This is the, the best part of church, is studying your word and hearing from you. But God, it's, it's meaningless. It's uh, powerless without your spirit using it, activating it, and empowering it. And I pray that you would do that today. That it wouldn't just be words on a page, God. We, we can all understand words on a page. Little kids can understand words on a page. But God, I pray that by your spirit that it would pop out to us today. That it would... That would, it, it would become alive to us today. That it would be more than words, but it would be your spirit using these words to change our lives. May this be an unforgettable day for us today as we study your word. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I want to give you today, because you see there, he's, he's, he's doing many healings in this passage. He spends a day healing a whole lot of people. So what I want to do in the introduction is I want to tell you the truth about healing. There's a lot of ideas and there's a lot of thoughts about healing you know, in the church today. You, you may hear that a lot. I see a lot. I listen to a lot of sermons and people love to talk about healings. It's, it's, a, it's on everybody's mouth. It's, it's in everybody's mind. It's a very, very popular topic. And, and people today think, and I think they've thought that throughout history, but they think that healing is, is normal. It's common. It's every day. That we should be seeing uh, uh, people get healed all the time. That it should be something that's, uh, that everybody gets a healing. That God is up in heaven and He's just passing healing out to people like Oprah passes out cars. 
Uh, you get a car, and you get, you know, you guys don't, maybe don't watch Oprah, and I probably shouldn't bring her up in a sermon, but, you know, she, she loves to hand out gifts to her crowd, and they, they kind of think that, that God is like that, that He's just handing out healing here, and healing there, and you get a healing, and you get a healing, and you get a healing, and everybody gets a, gets a healing, but that's not the case. That's not what it's, that the Bible says. It's, it's, uh, people think that it's popular today, but the Bible doesn't say that. The truth about healing is, and I want you to follow me with this, uh, I want you to follow me from Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> I know you guys don't want to do that. But let, let me just show you how rare, biblically, healing really is. The first healing takes place in the Bible. And I, I went through this. I looked at it. The first healing takes place. The first miraculous healing in the Bible doesn't take place until Genesis chapter 20. That is 2,000 years into creation and into this world before the first healing ever takes place. <laughs> And then the, the next one, again, the next 1,500 years in the Old Testament, 20 healings take place. That's 1,500 years. We are now at, at 3,500 years and we see 21 healings. And there's people that are sick and there's people that are dying. There's people that are suffering everywhere. Probably more so than there is today. And we've seen 21 healings. And then you go the 400 years between Malachi in the Old Testament and Matthew in the New Testament. There's 400 years between those two. And you know how many healings there are in that time? Zero. And then, do you see that? Let me, let me put it on a little chart for you. Let's go without history. You see those charts and those graphs, they go up and they go down. So we're in the Old Testament and you see, you know, you go this flat line. There's none. And there's one in Genesis 20. And then there are maybe 20 throughout the rest of the Old Testament. And then there's zero in the intertestinal period where there's no miraculous healings at all. And then Jesus shows up and watch what happens. If it's on a, if it's on a chart. You know, there's, there's one here, maybe a couple here, a couple here, and then zero for 400 years. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is born, and he gets into his, into his ministry, and it goes through the ceiling. My arm can't go high enough to show you how many miracles takes place in the life of Jesus. There's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of miracles. There's 90 just in the Gospels. And, the, and, the, and John says that's just a small sample of the miraculous healings that he does when he's alive. It's an explosion of miracles in the life of Jesus. I mean, it's just, and when he does it, watch what it said. I, I wrote some quotes down here. He banishes the disease in all of Israel. Now let me just say this. Every time he did a miracle, people would say, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. They were amazed at it. And, and there's even a quote that, not since the world began has every, anybody ever done that before. They are amazed. It's not like they see Jesus do it and say, happens all the time. When Jesus does it, they do, wow, that's never happened before. It's, it's an amazing thing. They'd never seen it. They'd never heard of it. They were in awe of the amount and the power behind the miracles of Jesus. It was unparalleled. It was unprecedented. They'd never seen anything like this before. And, and, and if you go through it, I mean, it's, it's just, it starts slowly fading. Now, I just want to take you on my chart again. You guys following with me? In Genesis, you see one. You see maybe 20 more just up and down. 400 years in between the New Testament and the Old Testament, there's zero. Jesus shows up and it explodes through the ceiling. And when Jesus ascends and goes back to the Father, it starts slowly fading back down again. You see, we study through the, the book of Acts. You'll see a few in, in the book of Acts. But by the time you get to the end of Acts, there's no more healings taking place. 
There's no more faith healers. There's no more touching. There's no more raising of the dead. And you get to the end of the Bible and Paul's sick and Paul doesn't miraculously get healed. God says, no, 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 no. You'll see power in your weakness there. Timothy gets sick and Paul writes him a letter and he says, take some medicine for it. Paul doesn't say, be healed. So you see the explosion in the, in the New Testament in the time of Jesus' life and then it slowly fades away to where it goes back to no miraculous healings. So it's not common in the Bible. It's actually uncommon. Because miracles are an uncommon thing. They're not an everyday thing. And you, and you say, why did it all of a sudden uh, explode to the roof when Jesus was there? And here's the reason. The Bible says that miracles are signs. Miraculous, these are miraculous signs that point down everybody. Look who this is. Not in the Old Testament don't look. Not, not after the, the New Testament don't look. Everybody in history, everybody now, everybody then. You need to see that the miracles took place only through Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's the miracle worker. He's the great physician. He's the one we all look to. He's the Savior of the world. It's Jesus. Everybody, big neon signs from heaven saying, look to Jesus. All of history, see Him. At the explosion of the miraculous healings in the New Testament, these are all, all signs. Watch what John says. I'm going to read this and we'll move on. John 20, he says, and many... Other signs truly did Jesus do, which we couldn't write in this book. There's no room for it. But watch what it says. But these were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing in Him, you might have life in His name. All those miracles were done so all of us would see Jesus, know who He is, know His power, know that He is the Christ, the Son of God, and believe in Him and be saved. He'd done miracles to show us who He is. That's the point of all those explosion of miracles in the Gospels. And here today, I know I told you that, I want you to understand just how rare miracles are. Because here, in this, in this passage, just one day of miracles. Just one day. Look, look, look there with me. It's just one day, four verses. The other accounts say this is, this is one day, typical day. He's going to go to the synagogue to worship. Read some scripture. He gets up and he teaches. He, he, he leaves and he goes with his friends to eat. That sounds like a normal day, doesn't it? Go to church. Go with your friends. Go home and have dinner. And then rest at the end of the day. That sounds like a normal day. And then all of a sudden, explosion of miracles takes place here. It starts with a mother-in-law. It ends with the most of the town showing up. This normal day becomes anything but normal. It becomes a, a miracle. It becomes more evidence that Jesus is who he said he was. This, these verses here are just one day to convince us of who Jesus is. A day of miracles. An unforgettable day here. So let's look at it. I want to show you this one day. And it is unforgettable. One day of miracles. Out of his whole life. One day of miracles. To show us who he is. Let's start in verse 14. A day in the life of Jesus. The first thing he does in the day is personal healing. A personal healing. I want you to see the personal side of this. It's, it's not a nameless crowd that he heals here. It's not a, a leper that we don't know a name of. And, you know, we, we healed the, he healed the leper early on in the chapter, and we have no idea who he was, what his name is. And we won't know him until we get to heaven. 
So we don't know who the leper is. And we don't know who the servant that healed, that he healed last week was. There's no name given there. It's just the centurion's servant. But here, he gets to verse 14 and, and he heals a family member. He heals somebody personally uh, related to Peter. This is somebody that they care about. This is somebody that they know it was the crowds, but now it's somebody very personal. It's a big deal. It's so such a big deal that this one story of healing the mother-in-law is in three out of the four Gospels. It's like these guys said, he don't just heal the crowd, he heals the ones we love too. So this is a personal miracle, a personal healing. Look what he does, verse 14. And when Jesus come into, the, into Peter's house, stop there. We'll stop there and look. He's, he's in Capernaum, which is his home base, a fishing town. And he's walking into Peter's house, his friend. Or his closest, closest companion in life was Peter. Jesus probably stayed at Peter's house. He probably spent nights at Peter's house. So he goes into Peter's house. And, it's, and Mark 1.29 says it's, on, it's it, on, a, on the Sabbath. It's on a Saturday. And they've just left the synagogue. And it's probably 12 o'clock noon. They say, and it hurts me to say this, but they say synagogue in that day ended every Sabbath day at 12 o'clock on the dawn. <laughs> and they got to go home and they got to go eat. And I sit there and I thought, we never get out at 12 o'clock on the dawn. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut my sermon short 30 minutes. I won't do that. We might cut everything else short, but not that. So they get out at 12 o'clock noon, and Jesus and his four closest disciples walk out of the synagogue, and what's the first thing you do after you leave church? You go and eat. And that's what we all do. And we're all sitting here right now thinking about where we're going to eat later. Uh, that's what you're thinking. What are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat? The kids are sitting there saying, let's go here or let's go there. We pull into the parking lot, my kids look at me and say, a little Mexico after church? <laughs> I mean, that's, we, we just started Sunday school and they're thinking about lunch. So they leave the synagogue. He walks out with his four closest disciples. And what are they going to do? They're going to go back. Where are we going to eat at? Where are we going to eat? And Peter says, let's go back to my house and eat. My wife's mom makes the best fish in town. Let's go back there and she'll make us a spread. It'll be a great dinner. And we'll sit back and relax after synagogue, after we worship. Let's all go back to my house, Peter says. So they walk back to, to Peter's house, and tradition says the biggest meal of the week is always after synagogue, after church. So they gather in the house, they've got family, they've got friends, and there's, they're going to eat. And they walk in, and their cook is sick. You see that? And when Jesus come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother. So Peter was married. 25 years later in 1 Corinthians, it says that Peter actually takes his wife with him on mission trips. So he's married. His mother-in-law lives with him. And she's sick. It says she's laying in bed, sick. She's cast up on the bed. She's laid out, is what that means. When it says that word laid in bed, I mean, she is laid up. She is, you know how some of us get when we, have, when we get sick and you, you shut the door and turn off the lights and you're laid up in blankets and pillows and you don't want nobody to bother you. You want the lights out, you want the, your, your head's just you're sick, you've got a fever, that's what she has. And you just want to be left to yourself. She's laid up in the bed sick. They walk in and say, where is she? And she's, she's all sick. And what does she have? A fever. Fever can be two things. It can be very small, low-grade fever. Take some Tylenol, no big deal. Or it can be a huge deal where it's deathly. She has a deathly fever. Luke, who wrote the, the Gospel of Luke, is a doctor. 
And if you read his passage and look forward to this story, he says that she has a great fever. The word great is mega fever. It is as big a fever as you can have. She has maybe uh, typhus fever or malaria. She's got a terrible infection, and the fever that she would have would be spiking at around 108 degrees. She is, she is the, literally, the word fever in the Greek is to be on fire. Next time your kid says they got a fever, you can say, you're on fire. Because that's what the word means, fire. You have a fire inside you. You're, you're burning up. You are literally inside burning. So she's, she's sweating. She's, she's aching. She's seriously sick. There's some kind of deadly infection that she has that is going to kill her if something isn't done. This is a life-threatening fever. So Jesus walks in and he sees her and she's without strength. She is uh, weak and heavy laden. She can't fix it. They can't fix it. There's no doctors that can fix it. There's no medicine to give her. There's no remedy. There's no way out of it. All you can do is wait it out and hope that and hope and pray that she'll be okay. So she needs help. She needs divine intervention from above. If somebody don't step in and heal her, she's going to die. And they'll be without lunch. And here it comes. Help comes walking in the door. It says Jesus enters into the house. The first thing he does, I'm going to show you what he does. And I think he does this to all of us, not in healing, but in salvation. He comes to her. I love that. When she couldn't get up and come to him, he came to her. She didn't come halfway. She, she, didn't, uh, she didn't come a third of the way. She didn't come a fourth of the way. Uh, she, she laid in bed and couldn't get up. She's weak. She's heavy laden. She, she's helpless. She's hopeless. She's in a room by herself. The lights are out. She's sweating profusely. Her body is aching. Her head is hurting. She's probably delirious from the, the height of the fever. There's nothing she can do on her own. But Jesus comes to her. I like that. We can't do anything on our own. You can do nothing without Christ. We can't go halfway to Christ. We can't go a fourth of the way to Christ. We don't do our part and He does His part. He must come all the way to us or we'll never be saved. So He comes all the way to her. And what does He do? He sees her. He sees her. He has sympathy on her. He cares for her. He looks at her. He could have easily walked the other way, but he stopped and looked at her. He gazed at her individually. I like that. And salvation does that to us too. He comes to us individually. It's not corporately as a church. It's you individually that He comes to and saves. He sees you sitting there. Don't you love that? His eye, His gaze may be upon you today sitting in the pew. I love that. I never know who his eye is upon. Who he's going to work in, what he's going to do. But his eyes are gazing in the church. And then he touches her. You've got to read the other Mark 1 and look for. <coughs> but it says he stoops down with his hand. Verse 15, he touched her. That's tender and compassionate. Jesus is not a severe man. He's not reluctant. He's not cold. Think about this with Jesus. How many times have you shook hands and, and, and that, that's how we are as men. You shake hands with some men and, and you gotta, you, you're stiff and hard and, and rough and rugged. And, and when people come to hug you, I, I do that. I hug and, and they're, they're, they don't know how to hug. You know, big, big, big manly men. You know, 
Jesus isn't like that. Jesus reaches down with a tender and compassionate hand. He, he's not rough. He's not rugged. And he was, he was a carpenter, so he worked hard. But he reaches down in tenderness and reaches down in, in kindness and with ease. He's got the hands of a, of a physician, of a doctor, very caring, very loving. And he reaches down and he rebukes the fever. Luke 4 says, with power, he tells the fever what to do. And the fever listens. He tells not only the winds and the rain what to do, he tells fevers what to do. To him, there's no difference between the winds and the rain and the fever. They all mind him. So he tells the fever, get out of her. And what does she do? Look at this. This is amazing. We get so used to the everybody gets a miracle, everybody gets a miracle. No, 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 no. This is out of this world. Look what she does. And the fever left her. The fever run away from her like a whipped puppy. I got a dog. I don't, I don't know why I'm telling you this. A little, little girl puppy. Uh, she's not little. She used to be. But all I have to do is snap my finger at her. And her tail tucks between her legs. And she goes scurrying up, you know, Marley. And there she goes. You get mad at her. She eats out of the trash or something. Marley. And there she goes. Jesus said that to a fever and there it went. Scurrying off away from her. And the fever left her. And she got up. <laughs> Jesus used no instruments. He used no medicine. He, I like this. No gimmicks. And I'm talking about faith healers today that you see in TV. No gimmicks. No fanfare. This is how Jesus did it in comparison to how all these others say they're doing it. There's no gimmicks. There's no fanfare. There's no showmanship. There's no dramatic effect. There's not even a crowd. It's probably just him and her in that room. He's not doing it for anybody else. He's doing it for her. There's no TV cameras sitting there saying, oh, look what Jesus did. Send me some money. <laughs> no. He does it because he cares. And it doesn't slowly come back. <laughs> you know how a fever will slowly go up and then it'll slowly come back down? This fever didn't slowly go from 108. Oh, it's going back down to 107. Oh, it's, a, it's at 103. Immediately, the fever left. It went from 108 to, what is it, 98.6? You can tell I've dealt with some fevers. <laughs> I know it's normal. You ever stay up with a kid at night and watch it? And pray, God, please let it come down. Please let it break. Please. And you sit there and wait for it to break. Please let it break. Please let it break. But here, Jesus said the word, rebuked it, and it broke. Listen to this. No more sweat. No more chills. No more weakness. No more headaches. No more issues at all. No infection. Whatever that infection inside her was, it's gone now. And what does she do? She immediately gets up and she cooks their dinner. You say, where does it say that at? That word minister is, she served them. She got up, started cooking. That's it. I mean, you, you, you can tell that she's better. So she gets up, and if it's me and the fever's gone, I'm going to lay there in bed for about a day or two and you know, get some sympathy out of it. I'm going to have Steph bring me some dinner. You know, she's going she's gonna to bring it to me. Oh, I still feel bad. You know, <laughs> you know but it's good. <laughs> she don't know my tricks. You know, it's... <laughs> I'm going to lay there and be served, right? That's what I'm going to do. Fever's gone. I want to play it out just a little bit longer. Just, just let it go, you know, so she can take care of me and watch over me. This isn't what happens. And why does she, why does, why does she get up so quick? Because she couldn't stay in bed, could she? I mean, there's no way there. If she laid around, people would look at her and they'd say, she's still sick. 
Jesus didn't heal her. She still lay in there. Look at her. But when she gets up and starts cooking dinner for four big old fishermen, you know, they're not eating little bitty sushi. <laughs> they're eating big dinners. I mean, Jesus wants to eat. Peter wants to eat. And these guys want to eat. John's there. He wants to eat. Let's have a feast. And she gets up. She goes to the kitchen. And she cooks them a feast. So that everybody that sees her says, Wow, she's really better. She was in the bed with a fever. And she's now in the kitchen with the fish. <laughs> you like that? In the bed with a fever. Now she's in the kitchen with a fish. Cooking dinner. So that everybody would know <laughs> Jesus healed her. She couldn't help herself. Now I can apply this to you. So this is this is a good story showing the, the miraculous power of Jesus. Yeah, it is. But it also shows us that when Jesus saves us, he doesn't save us just to lay around. It's been said and very well said that we are saved to serve, and that when he saves you, you get yourself up and you do things for him. Because you're not laying around. If you're just laying around and you're doing nothing for Jesus, let me tell you this. People on the outside are going to say, he's not, he, he's not been healed. He wouldn't be laying around if he was really saved. No, no, no. As soon as you get saved, it's immediate. You've got to get up and start doing things for Jesus. It's natural. You can't just lay around and do, do nothing. You can't be a, a good-for-nothing Christian. You've got to get up and go do some things. You say, what do I do? Well, I think the first thing you do is get up and go get baptized. Get up and go to church. Those are easy. <laughs> So what can I do? There's, there's two. Get out and start serving. Start doing something. Show everybody that Jesus has saved you. You're saved to serve. She was healed to cook. And she loved to cook. This is you said, well, they made her cook. She got up with a smile on her face and said, I was sick, but now I'm better. I can't wait to get in the kitchen and start cooking for them. Because Jesus said the greatest of these will be those who serve me. So she was glad to serve those people in that house. It might have been a normal day for Jesus, but it was anything but normal for her. For her, this was an unforgettable day that she told everybody about for the rest of her life. She'd be around her little old women friends, <laughs> and she'd say, have I ever told you about that day Jesus healed me? Yes, a hundred times. Well, let me tell you again. <laughs> I was laying in bed. I had a 108 fever. I was going to die. I was sweating and chilling. and Everybody was scared I was going to die. and They'd be out without a cook. <laughs> and then Jesus walked in and he saw me. And he, and he touched me. And he, and he said, fever, go. And it went. And her friends were sitting there saying, you, you reckon they'd sit there and say, oh, hurt it, hurt it. No, they oh my, what did Jesus do? Tell us again. It was an unforgettable day for her. So what's next? What's the next thing that's going to happen in a day? Look, it says, it says there in verse 15, she got up and cooked for him. So what happens after you cook? You eat. So they ate, and they probably ate well, from noon until 6 in the evening. They cooked, they ate, they talked, they laid around. Just had a good time again. So the next thing you see, we went from a, a personal healing to now it becomes a public healing. Public miracle. You say, where's that at? Watch with me. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. You see that? The evening was come. I'm going to stop there. 
When the evening was come means it's no longer lunchtime, it's getting dark. The evening means it's 6 o'clock now. Again, we're going through a day. 12 o'clock, they got out of church. <laughs> it's already 12 o'clock here. They got out of church. That's my greatest enemy in preaching is that clock. <laughs> the Bible says in the end times, Jesus will destroy all of our enemies. <laughs> that clock will be destroyed. <laughs> 12 o'clock, they got out of synagogue. They walked to the house. They healed the mother-in-law. She cooked. They ate. Now evening has come. And evening means it's about 6 o'clock. Because when the sun goes down on the Sabbath, everybody is free to go. The rules stipulated that you couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. You go to the house. You eat. You hang out. Nothing else is done during that day. But when 6 o'clock comes around and the sun goes down, Sabbath is over and everybody can get out of their houses now. Free to do. Sabbath is over. Go do whatever you want to do now. You can leave. And what do they do when, when they're allowed to leave? They're free to go. At 6, they get out. And where do they go? They all show up at Peter's house. News is spread. The fame is, is spread all over the area. In, in Capernaum, everybody's here. And Jesus is in town. And He's healing people. So they're all for six hours sitting there just, just rubbing their hands together. We've got to get out of here. i got this problem. And i got this problem. And this and back here is demon-possessed. We've got to wait till the sun goes down. And when the sun goes down, we're all going to Peter's house to find Jesus. And the sun goes down. And everybody flocks. It's like the Bears running to the football stadium. Everybody flocks to Jesus' house. I mean, if there's a camera there, they'd all be running as fast as they could go to get to Jesus' house. Carrying their sick, carrying their, their demon possessed. They're, they're, they're on their way to His house. This is an amazing thing. It says in Mark 1, the whole city showed up at Peter's house. I mean, you can read that in Mark 1. And it says in Matthew 8 here, that when evening was come, they brought unto Him. You know what that means? They kept bringing. I mean, it was, it, the line kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Jesus is inside. They open up the blinds and say, Oh no. <laughs> Look at the people flocking to this house. Everybody's coming. Kids and adults. Everybody's at, at His door. Everything you can imagine is outside that door. I mean, you want to go through the sicknesses? They're all out there. It says there's, there's demon-possessed out there. I mean, it looks like Halloween out there. Demon-possessed people out there acting crazy. Sick people out there acting crazy. It's like, it's like the ER waiting room. <laughs> people being carried on mats. People that, that, are, that are on crutches. People that, that, are, that, that are deaf and blind. People with leprosy are out there. You name it, it's being brought to Jesus' house. Back pains being brought to Jesus' house. Colds are being brought to Jesus' house. There they come. The whole town lined up for Jesus. And what do they want? This is important. Again, I, I'm teaching you about healing here. What did they want? They wasn't standing outside to be saved. They wanted healing, not saving. They wanted their physical salvation, not spiritual salvation. They were there for their bodies, not their souls. They were there for now, today, and not eternity. Their focus was on physical rather than spiritual. Some of these same people that he healed will be the same people that were crying crucify in just a couple of years. 
Let me ask you this. If I set a sign up outside our church today, had it going across that thing out there, healing service today, healing service today, healing service today, people would be flocking at this place. If I set a sign up there outside that said, salvation offered today, salvation, you know what? It is offered today. Salvation offered today. Salvation offered today. We're talking spiritual, not physical. We're talking heaven and, and not now. We're, we're talking your, your, your uh, spiritual, not your physical. We're talking your, your, your saving, not your healing. We're talking your soul and not your body. How many people would show up? Notice that in our world today, people that offer healing, 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 draw the biggest crowds. And the churches that offer saving, 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 because people today are just like those people then. They're more focused on the now than they are the later. They're more focused on their body instead of their soul. That's what they wanted. I can get a crowd for healing, but I can't guarantee it. I can't get a crowd for salvation, but you better believe I can guarantee it. Yeah. So what does Jesus do? He knows what they want. He knows they're only there for themselves. He knows it's selfish. He knows they want their healing. Does he send them away? This is my favorite part of today. No. I would, I would assume Jesus is tired. I would assume it's the end of the day. And if it's me, I'm going to close the blinds and shut the door and tell Peter to send them away. At the end of a long Sunday, you know what I want to do? You can ask Steph, you can ask my family. All I want to do is kick my feet up with a cup of coffee and don't let any turn my phone off and don't let anybody bother me at all. I've had a long day. I've been in church. I've uh, you know all done all this stuff in ministry. All I want to do now is lay back. And if I looked at my house and the whole town was out there, I'd say, come back tomorrow. But what does Jesus do? He takes time for each and every one of us. That's who he is. He says, come on in, bring every single one of them. I like that. He's unweary. He's not inconvenienced. He's not bothered by it. Jesus heals how many? You want to see that? How many does he heal? Does he send some home disappointed? And again, I'm talking about faith healers today. And I don't call them faith healers. I call them fake healers. Faith healers are fake healers. <coughs> will heal a select few, they say, and send the rest home disappointed. They'll heal who they want to, and some don't have enough faith. They'll come up to them, they'll say, oh, I can't heal you, you don't have enough faith. And they send them home thinking that it's, it's their problem that they're not healed. What does Jesus do here? Well, read it with me. When evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed how many? Y'all paying attention with me? Say it out loud. And he healed? There, oh man, you guys are with me. All. Every single one. And it was a variety. He had those with demons. It, the, the demonic come to him, and, and he was face to face, toe to toe with the demonic. Understand this when Jesus showed up, there was a spike, there was an explosion of, of the miraculous in that time. Those years that he was alive, there was an explosion of miracles and healing. But also during that time, understand this, there was an explosion of demonic. It was like Jesus shows up in his power and the devil is allowed in his power to do what he wants to do. And now they go toe to toe here. And what does Jesus do? With a word, he rebukes it. And just like that fever, the demons go running off like a whipped puppy. 
Who has authority here? Jesus does. The demonic is no match for Jesus. Not only the demons, but look at the diseases. You see doctors that specialize. I love this. I don't know if you guys will or not. But you go to doctors for that specialize. You have your general practitioner, but when you go there, you see, I, I know some terms. When you go there, they'll say, ah, I'm going to send you to a heart doctor. Or I'm going to send you to a foot doctor. I'm going to have to send you to a, to a brain doctor. I don't know what that would be called. <laughs> Neurologist. Somebody's saying no. So I want to send you here. I want to send you there. I want to send you all these other specialists out there. And you have specialists everywhere. Do you know what Jesus specialized in? Everything. I like that. He healed all. I mean, they just kept bringing stuff to him. There was colds on one hand. He healed it. Somebody with cancer on the other hand. He healed it. Somebody with a hemorrhage over here and hiccups over here. And no matter what came to him, he healed how many? All. Let nobody leave disappointed. It was all, everything. All the small cases, all the big cases, there were no hard cases for Jesus. He didn't look at somebody and say, you know what, I'm going to research that one. <laughs> I've never seen that thing. <laughs> no. Everybody that came to him healed, healed, healed. There was nobody that he looked at and said, you're too far gone. I can make that applicable to our salvation. Nobody comes to him and he says, you're too far gone. Yeah. Nobody. In saving us, there's no hard cases. There's no cases where he says, let me figure that one out. You're too sinful. All that come to him, he will no wise cast them out. Amen. There wasn't. Get this. I read this in a commentary this week and I wrote it down. There wasn't a disease he didn't heal here. Can I say that again? There wasn't a disease that he didn't heal here. Not one. You name it, and he healed it. We don't know how late he stayed doing it. But he took time for each and every one. And it wasn't like, I mean, he could have done that. Couldn't he have stepped outside on Peter's porch? I don't know if Peter had a porch. But he could have stepped outside on Peter's porch and said, Healed! <laughs> and every one of them would have been. But they brought the demonic to him, and he cast it out. They brought the diseases to him. You got leprosy, it's gone. You got a cold, it's gone. You got the hiccups, it's gone. You got a backache, it's gone. Everybody that came to him, one after the other, and it wasn't like, you, gone, you, gone. It was, it was, it was tender, and it was compassionate, it was loving. It was on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Because that's how Jesus saves, and that's how Jesus heals. It's not a general, it's a personal with each and every one. He doesn't just look out in the world and say, all saved. He says, one by one, by one, by one. That's how Jesus deals. I love that. You name it, he healed it. And it was everybody. I probably went too far with this. It was the rich, and it was the poor. It was the young, and it was the old. It was the Jew, it was the Gentile. It was the man, and it was the woman. It was those who had faith, and those who had no faith. Because the faith healers today say, you've got to have faith. You've got to believe. These people coming to him, there were some that did believe, there were some that did not believe, and he healed them all. The whole town came knocking, and the whole town left healed. Amen. He turned none away, and he didn't fail one time. And it was all. Hmm, all. Instantly. 
in a split second. Compare that to the faith healers of today. It was all instantly. It was all completely. And I've said this in every sermon. It was all completely. There was none that left with the job half done. It was all obviously in full public view for everybody to see. He was not in a TV studio somewhere. He was not on a stage somewhere. He was not in a church somewhere. He was there for everybody to see. Out in front of the people. Why are all the faith healers in churches somewhere, on a stage somewhere, behind a TV screen somewhere? Why aren't they in a hospital somewhere? Jesus is out there in the public for everybody to see him. Nothing to be hidden. Obvious to all. And it was easily. With a word, or with a touch, or even with a thought, and it was gone. Now you tell me, can anyone do that today? No. Has anyone in history ever done that? No. What does that tell us? Jesus is the Son of God. Yes. That's what it tells us. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the only one. Everybody else, I'm saying this to be as nice as I can, everybody else is fake healers. Everybody else is fake healers. Jesus is the true healer. He is the great physician. And understand me too, that when he saves, he turns no one away. He tells no one no. All that come to him, and he forgives sins of all kind. Love that. The small little sins that even my kids, you know right now, they look my kids, I, I know they're here. Their sins are so small and so innocent. Disobeying mom and dad. I, I know they're, they're, they're big, but it's just you know, nothing compared to what we've done. <laughs> but to him he saves. And to you who have great sins that you think like, like Paul, that I'm the chief of all sinners, that nobody can sin like me, he, heals, he saves those too. The, those embarrassing sins, the tiny sins, the ugly sins, you name it. And if you come to him, you will not leave disappointed. He will forgive you. I can offer you forgiveness. I can't offer you healing. So that was a normal day for Jesus. But it was an unforgettable day for those that come to him. Last point, we'll close. We saw the personal healing of the mother-in-law. We saw the public healing of the crowd. And I want to show you the promised healing that is found in the Old Testament. Verse 17, we see the promised healing. It says in, in verse 17, that it might be fulfilled. That's a phrase that says that it might be, or this was done, that it might show. So he's telling us here the reason why he did this. I, I like that. Why did Jesus heal the mother-in-law? Why did Jesus heal the multitude? Why did he heal the crowds? Why, did he, why, did he, why was there an explosion of miracles at that time? Why did he do it? Verse 17 is the reason. Look what he says. I love this. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken. I mean, he's fulfilling a prophecy. Jesus did all this healing at that time to fulfill a promise that was made about him in the Old Testament. He says here, it was said, follow me. It was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. This is Isaiah 53, 750 years before Jesus showed up. Isaiah wrote this prophecy in Isaiah 53. And they were all at that time in the Old Testament looking for the Messiah. From Genesis chapter 3 on, they were looking for the Savior. They were looking for the Messiah. Who's going to come and, and redeem us from our sins? Who's going to come and save us? Who's going to come and fix what we broke? 
And over and over in the Old Testament, they say, he's going to come, he's going to come, he's going to come, he's going to show up. And they're sitting there saying, how will we know when he gets here? We might miss him. And Isaiah 53 says, you'll know him when you see an explosion of miracles. <laughs> you, you with me? When you see, there's just a little bit of miracles in the Old Testament. And there's just a, a little bit after. But in the Gospels, for three years, there is an explosion of miracles. So Isaiah says, when you see an explosion of miracles, that's a sign pointing to the Messiah. That's a sign pointing to the Savior. That's a sign pointing to the One who's going to come and fix what we all broke. When you see the miracles, that's your Savior. Look what he says. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself. This is the, the, the Christ. This is how you'll know it's Him. He will take our infirmities, which is our weaknesses. And He will bear our sicknesses. When He comes, He will have power over all disease. He will have power over all deformities. He will have power over all demons. And He will have power over death. When He shows up, He will show everybody who's boss. He will have power more than anything you've ever imagined. That will be your Savior. So Jesus did this here. And He did this in the explosion of miracles. So the world will see who He is. This is the Messiah. Muhammad didn't do this, did he? Joseph Smith of Mormonism didn't do that, did he? Buddha didn't do that, did he? These fake healers today don't do that, do they? I think these fake healers are so funny, a lot of them wear contacts. <laughs> you guys didn't get it. <laughs> you see those guys on TV knocking each other down with coats. No wearing glasses. <laughs> And I'm being mean. I know, I'm, I, they're being mean. They're being evil. By promising something that the Bible doesn't promise. Amen. Jesus did it to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt who He is. Jesus is who He said He was. The verdict is in. It's easy. I mean, it's, it's an open and shut case. There's nobody else that did this. So it must be Jesus is the Son of God. It must be that Jesus is our, our great physician. It must be that Jesus is our champion that has come to defeat all of our enemies. Disease, deformity, demons, and death. And Jesus knocked all four of those out. He must be the Son of God. Yes. Our Savior. Now, many is going to say, I'm, I'm going to close here, back where we started. Many are going to say, I could have stopped there. That was a high point. That Jesus died to heal us from our sicknesses. That death guarantees healing. That it's always, and I hear this all the time. This is not just me saying something random. I hear this all the time. I was, I was with some, some, some teachers the other day, and I had a teacher look at me and say, You know, Jesus died to heal us, <laughs> He died for our sicknesses. 
By His stripes, we are healed, is what they'll say. I hear that over and over and over. And I hear them pray that in front of other people, in front of children. Children will raise their hand and they'll say, I need you to pray for my mom. And the guy will get up there and he'll say, By His stripes, we are healed. We guarantee healing. It is God's will to heal everybody. We are not supposed to be diseased and sick. And they say it over and over. And kids are sitting there saying, Wow, Jesus died for our sicknesses. And I'm nice. But I want to look at those guys and I'm with them. I'm around them. And I want to say to them, Jesus didn't die for my sicknesses. He died for my sin. He bore my sin. He became sin for us. He didn't become my sicknesses. He didn't become my cancer. He didn't become my cold. He became my iniquities and my wickedness. He died for my sin, not my sicknesses. Understand that. It's too small of you what Jesus did on the cross. He died for the disease of sin. Not the symptoms of sin, which is sickness. Understand that we are sin sick before we are bodily sick. You must deal with the disease, not the symptoms of the disease. Jesus died to take away sin. Understand that. He went much deeper to the source of our sickness. He's our Savior, not our doctor. Understand that. We need to get that. We are being overrun right now. And I've got, I saved time for this. We are being overrun right now in our area and in America with these people who claim to heal people. With these people on TV, they're on the radio, they're in pulpits all across, even in our area today. And I'm going to be as nice as I can about it. They are fake healers. I can't guarantee you healing. I can't. I wish I could. I've thought about that so many times as I've walked into hospitals, walked into St. Jude's. And I thought, God, I've never told anybody this. As I walked in, I thought, God, if you give the gift of healing to men today, give it to me now. Because if anybody is going to have it today, that's where they need to go. But I walked through that St. Jude's Hospital and I didn't see one fake healer there. Not one. Could have easily done it there, right? They're all in one place. The weakest of the weak sitting there. They could have easily went to this room and healed that one and this room and healed that one and this room and healed that one and this room and healed that one. But instead of doing that, they get up on their stages and they do their little things and they walk away and there's no proof that they ever did anything at all. I saw a church in this area not too long ago and you know what they did? They get up there and they offer healing to people and the next thing they do, get this, is they offer take up an offering. You with me? They take up an offering. Heal, 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 heal. Now let's take up an offering and pass it around. Churches in this area. Fake healers. Jesus didn't die for our sicknesses. He died for our sin. Yes. And that's what I offer to you today. I can offer that to you today. I can't offer healing to you, but I can offer you salvation today. I can offer you forgiveness today. I guarantee you, if you come to Him in your sin and with your sin, He will forgive you instantly. Get this? <laughs> I know where I'm losing some of you, but He will forgive us instantly. He will forgive us completely. He will forgive us obviously. And He will forgive us easily if you'll bring your sin to Him. He who comes to Him, He will in no wise 
cast you out. He's never turned one away who comes to him for forgiveness. He's never had a failure. You say, what do we do when we get sick? I'm closing with this. Because we will get sick. Yeah. You're going to get sick. And we will get sick until the day we die. I'm going to be with you. We're going to battle sickness. It'll haunt us. It'll consume us. We'll take medicine. We'll, I, mean, I, I, I don't look forward to it, but I know that one day I'm going to have one of those little cases. That's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I'm going to have to open that thing up and take those pills and you know, just refill. I'm going to have to have that someday. I don't have it right now. But one of these days, Ted's going to be filling that thing up for me. <laughs> and I'm going to have to take them. I, I know that. I get it. It's going to happen. I'm going to deal with that for the rest of my life. I'm going to hurt. I'm going to have sicknesses. Ted's going to make appointments. I'm going to go to the doctor. They're going to find something wrong with me. I'm going to ignore it. <laughs> Until it gets so bad that I have to do something about it. We're going to do that until the day we die. Sickness is going to be a part of our lives. What do we do? Oh, you guys ask the best questions. Turn with me to James, and I'm closing. This sermon's probably going to get me in trouble. But that's all right. James chapter 5. Again, this is, this is towards the end of the New Testament. James, look what he says in verse 13 of James chapter 5. It says, is any among you afflicted? Is anybody here sick? <laughs> Somebody said, Amen. Yeah. Let him pray. Yeah. Is any merry? Is anybody here happy? <laughs> then let him sing songs. Verse 14. Is any sick among you? Then here's what you do. If you're sick, this is what you do. I'll say this go to the doctor. Staff would say, Amen. Is any sick among you? Then here's what you do. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him call for the preachers in the church. Let him call for the men in the church. Let him call for those who are, who are preaching in the church, the pastors of the church. If you get sick and you've got a, a bad sickness, it says the first thing you do is go to the church and get the church to pray for you. Get your brothers and your sisters in Christ to pray for you. You get sick, come here on a Wednesday night when we sit down and pray for each other. Bring it to the church. That's what it says. I mean, if you, if you want to deny that, here it is in black and white. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. <laughs> Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And it says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed sins, see that? It goes right back to sin, doesn't it? They shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man will avail much. Yes. Tells us what to do right there. Bring it to the church. And let the church pray for you. This is the same thing that, that the, the leper did. Goes to Jesus and he says, I know you can, but I don't know if you will. So I ask, will you heal me? You go to God and you say, I know you can, but I don't know if you will. I don't know if it's your will to heal me. And sometimes He will heal us, and sometimes He won't. I, 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 I'll say this, God still heals. Somebody's sitting there thinking that, Josh, don't think God heals. No, He does. He just doesn't give me that power. God still heals. He just doesn't give me that power. 
And you say, well, what about others? He doesn't give them that power either. The apostles, I'm, I'm moving on, I'm going too far here. The, the ones that healed for Jesus in the New Testament are the, the apostles, the one who had direct contact with Jesus. Is there anybody in here who's had skin-to-skin, hand-to-hand contact with Jesus? No, you don't have to get the healing. Sometimes he will and sometimes he won't. But in the end, we trust his will. And we know that if we are saved, then our main problem has already been dealt with. And one day, I'm going to send you one more passage, Revelation 21. I should have quit while I was ahead, right? Revelation 21. Because one day, he will remove all sin, all sickness, and all side effects. And he'll do it forever. Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the ta- this is the end. The, the, the tabernacle of God is now with men. And He will dwell with them and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. Yes. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And I, I want to picture one by one. Not tears be dry. But one by one. Your tears are tears that Jesus with his own finger will wipe away my tears the struggles that we've had here is nothing compared to the glories we'll have there healing here would be nice but healing there will be perfect and he will wipe do you cry Jesus will wipe those things away with his own finger watch what it says And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things now, the things that we had in this life, are now passed away. In the end, get this, there will be a massive explosion of healing in heaven. All of our sicknesses, our disease, all of our struggles and our pain, all of our weaknesses will be gone for good. Yeah. Right now it's all flatlined. And soon it will be exploded in heaven. And that old song says, what a day that will be. Yeah. This is just one day. But oh, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace. And he takes me by the hand. Me by the hand. With a touch. And he leads me through the promised land. Oh, what a day. Oh, what a day. That will be. And it won't be because you got healed here. It'll be because you got saved here. Yes. Are you saved today? Then I ask you to come to Jesus and line up and come to Jesus. Could run to Jesus like they did. It's 12.30 on the dot, Josh. you got to go. No, 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 no. It's 12.30 on the dot, and you've got to run to Jesus is what you've got to do. Man. This ain't about food. You've got to run to Jesus and be saved. Line up and run to Jesus. Get on your, on, on your knees before God up here. Uh, one knee of faith and the other knee of repentance and, and beg for Him to save you. And you'll leave here today singing, Oh, what a day today was if you come to Jesus. Yes. And if you're here today and you're sick, we don't do this much. Line up, and we will pray for you. I'll get Brandon up here. I'll get Deacons up here. We'll pray for you one by one by one. 
God, I know you can, and I'm asking you to, but I trust you if you don't. Man, what a passage. What a day this was. And what a day this can be today. If you'll do what God says to do and believe in his son and be saved. Let's pray with him. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, and I pray, I do. I know this is a tough topic, tough topic. But it was necessary. And I pray that I have handled it with grace, with kindness, with love, compassion, but with truth. Because we need the truth. So help me, God, I, I pray that I've done that. And God, if there's anyone in here who's lost, they've never dealt with the disease that is going to damn their soul. They've never confessed their sin. They've never been forgiven of their sin. That today, today, that they will run to you and be saved, knowing that you would not turn one away who comes to you by faith. Let them line up and run to you. And God, there's one in here that's sick. And I hope this church knows that we want to pray for anyone who's sick, anyone who's struggling, anyone in pain. We want to be a church with compassion like Jesus had compassion. So God, help us to love the sick, love the hurting. Please, God, help us to be like your dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music plays.